everyone and welcome to another Brisbane Football Review Best Of. It's James here with you this afternoon as uh, maintain a safe social distancing from Scott and Adam, for the time being at least anyway. And to, for today's Best Of, we're going to reminisce on the end of the career of the A-League's greatest ever player, Thomas Broich. So I've got a few clips from late in the 2016-2017 season to look back on today. But before we do that, uh, a few quick plugs as per usual. Uh, get, or you can always get in contact with us. Email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook, The Raw Review. We're still working on changing that name. Uh, Twitter, at BNE Football. Whenever games come back, you'll find a whole lot of stories, live updates from matches and pretty much anything else we can cover in the world of Southeast Queensland football for the time being. And uh, also, before we get into the best of, we've actually got a bit of an announcement to make and uh, we'll get it over and done with right off the bat. So, obviously, at the moment we are scrambling for content, and as much fun as it is putting, as much fun as it is putting these best of shows together, we want to come back together and record an original episode before too long. So, we're going to do a Pulse of the Fans forum show. Uh, it's going to be our last original show before a break through June, and it's going to be guided by your responses to questions we're going to post on our social accounts about local, national, and international football. So, there'll be a mix of NPL. Uh, NPLW, A-League, W-League, Socceroos, Matildas, pretty much any football competition you can think of. We're going to try and post one or two uh, questions per day and your responses will be welcomed as we try and discuss some of the big issues that are going on with Australian football at the moment. Obviously, there's a lot of debate going on in terms of things like broadcast deals, sponsorships, and pretty much how we're going to keep the game going after this post-coronavirus world. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that as well on the Facebook page. And obviously, if you want to send in any audio responses to these questions, you can always email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com as well. And we'd love to hear from you, mostly because it means less talking for Scott, Adam and myself. Anyway, let's get into today's best of. Now, we were kind of stunned in uh, mid-2017, towards the end of the season, where Thomas Broich stunned everybody by announcing that he was going to be leaving the club at the end of that season while it was still underway. And we normally record on a Wednesday, Tuesday night. Marco Monteverde from the Courier Mail had the story which stunned pretty much everyone. So this is segment two from episode 29 from season one. And this is what we had to say less than 24 hours after the news about Thomas Broich leaving the Raw came out. James Scott and Adam with you, and look, we had this wonderful, lovely segment two planned out until about 8.30 last night when probably the biggest story of the season broke, I would say. Yeah, immense sadness set in, didn't it? Yeah, a, while, a little though. bit of shock and awe and whatnot. I think a lot, a lot of denial as well, I think. And I think, as my fiancé may or may not be able to confirm, I think my first reaction was, oh, come on! <laughs> When the Marco Monteverde from the Courier Mail had the exclusive story that Thomas Broach is going to leave the Brisbane Raw at the end of this season, which, no, quite frankly, it sucks. At least you can articulate your your, your initial reactions because I can't because of... yeah, we were actually wondering if this was going to be the first segment in 29 episodes where someone swore. Well, but... if I told you my first reaction, we would <laughs> we would get to that bit. Thanks, Adam. Adam, what was your Oh, look, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to articulate, as you said, you know, especially, you know, even, you know, just uh, just over under 24 hours later. And um, look, I think there's a lot to blame. I think a, there's a lot of emotion out there, especially on social media. And yeah, look, you know, I think, uh, look, you know, there's no question, you know, Thomas Broach is a legend, but I think, you know, people lose sight maybe of the bigger picture here. And, you know, I just think it's something like carry on has, I think it's been a bit much, but, you know, but it's also a testament of how much Thomas Broach actually means yeah. to the club as well. So I, think I don't think we can point. be too harsh on some of the, like, what I personally find you know, some ridiculous comments out there, but you know what? He, he's a, he's a club legend. There's no yeah. dispute in that. And, and yeah, it's just, um, I guess it just shows you know, how much he means to, to Wait, 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 wait. So you're saying that the calls to sack the manager, sack the entire backroom staff and force the owners to sell a club might have been a little bit extreme over Thomas Broich? Yeah, I think so. 
<laughs> Can you just clarify? Yeah. So oh, there's a lot yeah. of speculation and whatnot going around right now. So we're we're going to try and stick to fact. Oh, before we do that, I will okay, just say no. But I will just say Thomas Broach is embodied when he got here in 2010. He embodied what we were lacking and what we needed to get to. If I'd you say think that's it, a fact. no, but if you think that where we were and where we needed to get to at that time, you can sum it up in one player basically. And he does represent the rise of the Raw from yeah. being that sort of... And I think that's the big yeah. reason why there was such an outpouring of of everything last night is because that era is basically officially ended here. Well, it ended three years ago when when things turned bad, but and this I, is a real symbolic ending because Thomas is leaving. And also, look, I think a lot of people thought this day was eventually going yeah. to come where they would have to you know, see Thomas Broich yeah. leave the Raw and see another player come in. But... I think it's just, it's come out of the blue and that's what's happening. It's blindsided everybody. It's one thing to know it's coming. It's another thing to have it be here now, what, two games away, potentially two home games left? Probably. Quite frankly, for a bit of perspective, he is a footballer. He's a phenomenally talented footballer, but some of the reactions to this have just been absolutely insane, which I know sounds... Where where to the point where people are, you know, tossing their allegiance away for the club and all that, you know, it's like I said. I'd like to think that those people are just very overly emotional about things. Yeah, you know, even on even on social media where you actually you know, have to type. Yeah. But you know, the, just I just the overreaction that you know that basically going after you know basically saying you know Alawisi out you know more out. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, they they Tom like I said, and I've even heard comments that oh Thomas Broach is the club. Well, no, it, look, in reality... It does seem that way at times when you... It, it does, a lot of but people. that's but the symbolically. Yeah. Symbolically. But, like I said, but these are the same people that were bagging out the, the club six months ago. Say, oh, we don't give, we don't give you know, youth a go. Or, you know, oh, that, you know, a player like Joey Coletti is going gonna, is gonna to leave because, you know, you know and, and, we, and we can list off you know, all, the, all yeah. the young players that have left the club. By, by the sound of what's going on, and I think it was, sort of, it was confirmed by Craig Moore in an interview today... Was that basically? It came down to well, do we do we you know look to the future and perhaps you know sign up Joe Coletti, or you know at the, at the expense of Thomas Broach? And look, it, it it may seem harsh, and, and you know, but at the end of the day, it's also they've got you got to think that of the club's future beyond you know next week or next month. I do hope there is a plan in place here from the football department of where the club's going to go from here in terms of squad management, because if this does go wrong, this is going to be something that's going to be held over them for. The rest then, of their time here by supporters because they will say you're the guys who yep, ran. But then, but then they didn't, rightly or wrongly, they're going to say you you're the guys who ran Thomas out of town. So I hope for their sake they have a strong plan and they're able to execute it. But okay, that's one thing that really does sit badly with me is the fact that there's a perception that these guys are the ones that are running Thomas Broich out of town. Like what we knew at the start of the season was that Broich was going into the last year of contract of his contract. He didn't know if he was going to still yeah. play. Now, he's come on this year and I think had his best season in... Yeah, like since the last, the last grand final yeah. season for the Raw. But, and funnily enough, the Raw are doing quite well again. Yeah. But, then we had the story by, I believe it was Marco again a few weeks ago, yeah. talking about how Broich has said, no, I want to keep playing. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling yeah. healthy. Which, you know, something he's struggled with the last few years. And then he then goes and gives this interview to Marco yeah. Monteverde and says... I'm done. Like I'm walking yeah. away. Now, the quote here uh, that stands out, Aloisi said at this point, he didn't know whether he could offer me a new deal and how much he could offer me. So it left yeah. me in a really uncertain position. Now, there was a story that came out earlier this year where Broich said, no, I'm going to shelve all discussions till the end of the season. So why the hell is he trying to force the club's hand now? And look, I love Thomas yeah. Broich, but if he's now starting to try and play the big man on campus here and say, no, 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 you bend over for me, this is where the tide needs to turn and say, you are not bigger than the club. Well, this is the thing is that, you know, for everyone that's, you know, sort of, you know, posturing and saying, oh, you know, give, give bro whatever he wants. Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. I haven't heard yet a suggestion that, oh, that maybe for the sake of keeping this, this team, because I think this, this squad... You know, can potentially, you know, if it's not this year, it's next year where it could be really challenging. Mm. I haven't heard Thomas Broach yet, or anyone suggest that. Oh, maybe he should take a pay cut yeah. because I don't know what player. It's implied he's going to because he's going into the salary cap, though. Yeah, but but so still, but still, the amount, but the amount of money he's asking for. We like don't know a, what he's asking for. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. The, yeah, but if if like I said, if they're led to believe that the figures, you know, uh, you know, make him yeah. one of the top top paid players, even within the salary cap, or maybe the top player within the salary cap paid player in the salary yeah. cap, then. You know, that's the thing is, if what what is he doing? What is he doing to you know for the team? 
There is a few quick points here with the salary cap. We can talk about whether or not the salary cap should stay or go or whatever, but we'll leave that for mm. now. The Raw have to operate within it for now, and they do need a striker for next year, whether that's Jamie McLaren or somebody else. They do need to allocate a significant portion of that to that. That's number one. Number two, you can't tell me Thomas Boyd's just slowing down this year. No, he's... he's this is, you point out, it's one of his best seasons, and he's been integral to the Raw's operation. So if you think about it that way, there would be a place for him in the side. That's why, I mean, I am a little bit surprised he is leaving. I thought the fact that he's played well through this season, finishing the year well, wants to say, I thought we were going to get him in the for another year. But for me, this is one of the times where the fans really are in the wrong with their reaction here. And I can't blame people for being upset. Yeah, no, if that's, living, that's, that's, that's I'm not going to blame fans for saying what they think. I can't blame them for being upset, but I can blame them for jumping to conclusions and trying to start all this stupid stuff yeah. online. I think so, that's also because the story was paywalled last night and people couldn't read the quotes from him as well. True. So that there was an element of... We, they didn't know the, the facts. So. story that yeah. oh, because like I said, you know, is is Thomas Roach quitting? Which you know, yeah. if, if you if you actually look at the words "quit," that means that you know he's gone. That's he's, sensationalism. He's, he's taken he's packing his ball and gone home. He won't yeah. even like Friday night. We now know that he will he will be there Friday night. You'd think unless unless something's changed. He better last, be. Yeah, last. <laughs> even in our Facebook comments, yeah. there were a few people that I think might have misinterpreted yeah. the story and said yeah. that. Oh, hang on. Does that mean he's walking out today? Yeah, but. Look, there are a lot of things we can kind of say yeah. on this and say, you know, calm down. Yeah, we will, yeah. And I do think that is important here. Yeah. Preach caution because keep in mind, Thomas Broich is going to leave. That doesn't mean they're not going to replace him. And look, he's got some absolutely in big shoes to fill. Yeah. But yeah. what's to say that, you know, Tommy Orr isn't going to take that step next year as the yeah. man? What's to say Brett Holman isn't? Now... Look, I admit that's jumping a little yeah. bit ahead as well. But, you know, if you want to keep Thomas Broich at, say, 350000 400000 a year, that's purely just a random number I'm throwing out. Yeah. No evidence one way or the other. Who are you going to, Who are you happy to lose for that then? Well, at the moment, you see, it sounds like that we're going to lose Jamie McLaren and we're going to lose Joe Coletti because of that. Because at the moment, as we know, Coletti is unsigned yeah. and there were overtures yeah. that if he doesn't get a contract, he's out of here. And you don't now, know if some other players are going. Maybe Brendan exactly. Brollo will get yeah. interest from a European club or something. You don't know. There could be more changes to come yet as well. Look, who knows? Even even if if, if Thomas Broch leaves, which obviously leaves opens up a significant amount of salary. What's to say that the that the Raw aren't going to throw all this yeah. cash at Jamie McLaren, or are people you know a fans yeah. sort of saying, well, you know what, he's gone. Well, this goes back to my point. They hope to have a plan because yeah. you can't say this isn't John Lewis's team because it is. He's made a sweeping change yep. to the playing roster. We're going to see what he does with this space he has available now. It could very well define what happens, how we're talking next year, if it's a success or not. Well, like I said, but then again, you know what? If it goes all pear-shaped, and, and this and this is the point, you know what? He deserves to get sacked. You know, this, this, yeah. is about, this is about club management, and, and that goes the same for Craig Moore and anyone else. This will but, define... You know, this, this, this is a yeah. defining moment. Like yeah. so, how he d- deals with this will define his Brisbane Raw tenure. And, and that's, that's, that's what I'm so very concerned about, that, 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 that the fans are vilifying... Craig Moore yeah. for making a decision that, you know, because like I said, what's worse that you, know, you have an aging Thomas Broach, but a team that is yeah. not performing next season because we haven't got the yeah. youth coming through or the cash to bring in, you know, replacements, you know, or that, you know, so in other words, that we're going to have a team that may win three or four games before Christmas, or at least they can actually have a chance to, to adequately replace him. And, that, and that's like I said, you, you're talking about either here now or, you know, we're looking in the future. Yeah, so one thing that I kind of that just popped into my head right now, talking about, you know, the vitriol that's going towards Craig Moore and the football department. Remember when the fans were absolutely losing their minds around about early 2010 because Craig Moore was allowed to go? The beloved fan favourite, club Mm. captain Craig Moore, because he didn't get along with uh, Ange Postacoglu. There was a plan in place there as well. I will say, just to wrap this up, I know we've got to wrap it up. Oh, we can keep going. But I will say, (laughs) don't be sad that he's leaving. Be happy that it happened, right? This is this seven years we've had Thomas Broich here has been magical. And it really has. We'll get into the memories at a later date. But there's still there is still at least one chapter of the Thomas Broich Prison Raw story rewritten and we all hope it's a, a glorious one. But look and this is just purely my working theory on this, based on what we've seen in the stories, what's been said in interviews throughout the season. I'm wondering if Broich has said he was happy to stay and keep playing and Aloisi is, or more or whatever, have gone and said, look, we want you to stay, 
but you're not our top yeah. priority to re-sign. Mm. We've got, like we said, these young guys, Joe Coletti, Jamie McLaren, etc., etc. Michael Theo is also out of contract for another first-team player. but True. Well, so we've got these guys we want to re-sign. You've said yourself that you're physically winding down. We will happily offer you a new deal once all of our other recruitment and stuff is done, but we mm. don't know how much you're going to get. Yeah. And Thomas Broich has then gone and said... In his story to Marco, we're going, I don't want that uncertainty. I want I yeah. want to know what's happening. Mm. Now, that's just my yeah. purely yeah. my theory on it. I just want, just want to add one final point. And obviously, the biggest fear of all is that the fear of Thomas Broach lining up for one of the that's nine exactly other, what I was gonna say. other opponents next season. But I, 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 I look mm. at it like this, is that basically I don't know whether any of the other nine clubs are bold enough, almost to the point of... Yeah, you know, crazy it. enough I could see to pay happening. someone, pay a player like Thomas Broch, who will be 38, I didn't see, pay him marquee money to not play week in, week out. Because look, mm. I, there's a question whether he can play mm. 90 minutes week in, week out. And that's what yeah. you want from marquee. I don't so, know if they pay him marquee yeah. money, but I can see a couple of clubs going after him. It's been so bad. Central Coast Mariners would, I hope Mariners yeah. Would be a good fit because they're all young and he can bring it. But I just hope, just please go somewhere else. Yeah. I don't want to see. Hope, I don't want to see him back players. at Suncorp Stadium wearing an opposition shirt. Seeing Enrique do that was weird enough. If we have to see Broich do it, it's oh. please no. Mm. Anywhere would, else, Thomas, please. I would actually almost. I would wonder what the reaction would be if he comes back in a victory or a city shirt. It'd be the Enrique. <laughs> he'd get the Enrique treatment. He wouldn't yeah. get the Borussia treatement because. He's, he was here all along, a servant. And one thing I suppose he has done quite well yeah. here is actually control the story yeah. and say, no, 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 this is my decision. Hmm. And that is the important thing the fans yeah. need to remember here. Broich has made this decision. Nobody pushed him out. He's the one that said, all right, that's it. I'm going to push back from the yeah. negotiating table. I'm out. And we reserve the right. If it turns out he has been pushed out to change our opinion on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. We are, we're only working off the facts yeah. that are available at this time. And by the way, for our friends over at Rawcast, how glad are we that we're on the <laughs> right instead of on each Hi, guys. How are we? <laughs> we, know, we know they're loyal listeners. Actually, probably more loyal than, well, my family. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. All right. So, that's going to do it for this, I'd say, relatively emotional segment yeah. two. We'll be back after this to discuss some of the other news. <laughs> Look, you can't tell the story of the Brisbane Raw without Thomas Broich, and even three-odd years down the track, it's still strange not seeing him roaming the pitch in the number 22 jersey that we became so used to. And actually, a quick sidebar before we get into the next segment, Scott, Adam, and I were talking over uh, Messenger earlier today, and we actually worked out that Monday, the or was it the 10th of May, so it could have been Sunday, that was 10 years to the day since the Raw announced the signing of Thomas Broich as well. So if you actually go onto Wikipedia, you can find the article from the Raw announcing the signing of this German guy, Thomas Broich, who's had a pretty good career in the Bundesliga. So yeah, that's pretty good news, I'd say. And uh, yeah, somewhat fitting because also the day that I'm recording this, the 13th of May, is, I believe, the anniversary of Thomas Broich being inducted into the Raw Hall of Fame. So Another little anniversary around this time of year to keep us occupied. Now, for the next segment, we're going to go back and look at Thomas Broich's final home game for the Raw, which was, of course, that memorable semi-final win over Western Sydney on penalties. And, well, yeah, it was just a fantastic game. So fantastic, actually, that it took us two segments to get through it. So, enjoy. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
Yeah, finals football at Suncorp Stadium. Did you really expect any sort of different result? Brisbane come away with another victory that said 10th in a row at Suncorp Stadium in the finals. Welcome to the Ben Lifton episode 30 of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam with you. And guys, have we finished celebrating yet, Adam? No, not yet. It's not yet, but it's 10 games unbeaten. There's a couple of draws in there as well. Ten. Just to burst your bubble slightly, James. Yeah, well, you know what I mean, though. Yeah. 10 games where they got the positive result yes. that they needed. Yeah. Anyway, we're quite excited here on the Brisbane Football Review, so let's get right into segment one and just relive some of the magic from Friday night. What are you saying? Let's Do go. Alright, as if the Brisbane Raw and Western Sydney Wanderers have not created drama and excitement in their previous four finals meetings, their fifth will go down the same way as the Raw would advance to the semi-finals with an epic 6-5 penalties win after the game finished 1-1 in extra time. Scott, what do you make overall of the Raw's performance? I thought we started really slowly in the first 45 minutes. They could have been up 3-0 in the first 15 minutes of Wanderers. They really should have put the game away. But I think they settled down at halftime and they started to play their football. And we overran them by the end. The red card for um, Soterio didn't help them, but we are all over him anyway. Well, he's one of those players that needs to start on a yellow card for a stupid <laughs> spelling of his first name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think it's actually there's some... It's almost like that the Raw almost subconsciously, you know, they knew that it was going to go that distance yeah. because they were ordering the first yeah. half. Now, as Scott roughly said, that, you know, Wanderers, they, they should have been a couple up at least, you know, if it wasn't for some Theo heroics and, and whatnot and some poor finishing. And this is becoming a pattern now as well, James. I was slow out the blocks against the Mariners, what, a month ago, whenever that was. Slow out the blocks against Wellington. And even in Perth. Yeah, exactly. So this is becoming a trend. And if this continues, at some point that's going to catch up to them. They've got to sort this out. It's, it is a little bit of a concern. Let's get started with the yeah. first half. So, as we said, the Wanderers were dominant, but I think Michael Theo might have been the most dominant player on the pitch in the first half. He was brilliant, wasn't he? That double save, that was right down near where we were. And we are just thinking, no way, he's not going to get there. He's not going to get there. Oh, he got there! Unfortunately, that's kind of going under the radar a bit as well, given the heroics that happened later, which we'll get to. But he, Theo was brilliant on Friday night. But the one thing that really did get to me about the way the Raw played in the first half was the fact that they just sat so deep and told the Warriors, uh, the, not the Warriors, the Wanderers. So, yeah, they told the Wanderers, basically, bring it on and tried to hold on. Unfortunately, they just barely did. Yeah, look, I think it's it's becoming sort of uh, symbiotic almost, where they're just trying to sit back. Like It's almost like they're trying to pace themselves through the through the whole game. And it's, it, you know, on, a, on another, another day, they may have, you know, it may have been game over half time. There's no way back, so... Look, it's it's a it's a risky gamble, but obviously you know the last couple of times it's also paid dividends. So it's it, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure we want to keep on going to the well on that that option. It's a little bit nerve wracking. I think I I normally hope to see a lot of the roar in the second half when they're attacking down the end where we're mm-hmm. sitting. And there was I thought you know even the wingers Borello and Broich were sitting quite deep, and I think that was actually something that came up in the post game where they were talking about how Broich got dragged much deeper than expected. Broich was really off his game in the first half. I know that's been talked about a lot in the media, but he was quite off his game in the first half. I don't know if the whole stuff of last week got to him, but well, he was... I he think was, did a little bit. He was bit. really subpar in the that, first that, that might be the other sort of, you know, argument on that, is that the, the, the draining sort of you know, nature of the week that had been where everything was focused around Thomas Broich and everything. Did that actually take an effect before someone clicked in for the Raw in the second half and said, you know what, forget what's happened last week, actually play football. You know what actually really did surprise me was Broich was in a lot of conversations with John and Ross Aloisi and the coaching staff all throughout the game. It seemed like he was almost trying to work out how to break the lock of the Western Sydney defence as it was going along. Yeah, he, he probably was. In the second half, he was really, really good because it was his through ball to Barolo which set the goal up as well. And uh, he had numerous other chances created. He was probably the best player on the park in the second half. Maybe. Outside but, of Janjetovic, who made a couple of unbelievable saves. Yeah, it was a night for the goalkeepers, yeah. which... You know, sometimes when you have a low-scoring game, you get the traditional complaints of, oh, maybe they need to make the goals bigger or maybe they need to get rid of the goalies. But that was about as tense and... I don't know how else to describe it. It was just as tense as you could get for a football game where both teams were creating chances, more so Western Sydney, in that first half. But how good was it just seeing the goalies step up when they were called on? Well, no, not only was it um, the goalies, it was the defence of its events as well. Like, so they're, they're scrambling, you know, they're, like, you can't, they can't say that, uh, like I said, that it was boring football. I said, it, like, it's great, you know, attacking football would be count by bad defence. The odd line might be one for the purists, yeah. Scott. Also that and just tense typical finals game. 
that's what you expect in a finals game between evenly matched sides. Yeah. Which I do think the Raw and the Wanderers are, despite what the table might suggest. Hmm. Although in the first half, I think the Wanderers definitely look like the better side. And they got their reward just on half-time with what I thought was a pretty soft penalty decision from really Jared Gillette. I thought it was bang on. I thought they got it absolutely right. I think there was more contact on Borussia in the 2012 Grand Final, personally. Well, that's also a penalty, but... We- we might talk to our friends oh, all about I'm gonna, another day. All I'm going to say about that, I, I'm, I'm missing the fence. I think, look, it was, a, it was a sort of a fair call either way. But again, I think this, this is where the whole VAR thing comes up because it, it's all it's been becoming you know systematic. It's always people in the crowd saying, "Oh, check the VAR, check the VAR." That is not <coughs> what it's there for. It's yeah. it's there for the absolute howlers. That that is it's a fifty fifty right call. Away, that it? was not a howl. Yeah. Like I said, you know, uh, if you you flip you flip on the other side, you know, and that was a raw. Yeah. That was a raw chance, you know, and That's, you know, um, yeah, Cornthwaite going through the back of McLaren. Yeah, everyone's yeah, everyone screaming everyone for, for penalties. So they're the ones you say, you know what? That's a referee's decision. It is or it isn't. No, they're not. That's not what the VARs for. It's not to. Re- yeah, you're right. It's not to reverse a fifty-fifty call. But yeah. I did like that he actually took the time to go and have a look at yeah. it because if it was a blatant dive, I believe that actually would have been Santa Lab off. Possibly because I think he got his yellow card in the first half. Yes, yeah, so I mean he got yeah. very early in the first yeah. half. And if they just if they then went and determined that it was a dive, which you know I don't. I'm not going to go that far say that, but I think he was uh, ready for contact. Let's put it Just diplomatically. Just quickly on the VAR thing. I know it wasn't strictly a goal-scoring op- op- opportunity, but if they can't overturn that ridiculous back-pass nonsense decision in the second half, <laughs> what's the point of it? I mean, that's clear as day. That's an obvious error. Last time I yeah. checked, but anyway. Yeah, Definitely. I'm just going to get you to keep talking while I look it up. Oh, yeah, Santelab okay. got the uh, his first yellow card in the 31st minute. And yeah. Boy, he played a close... And he had a really strong challenge not long after that as well. Mm, but I think, from memory, that one was a bit more legitimate. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what I mean, though. That could have very easily turned into a red card moment, which, look, if you're going to go one way or the other, I think I'd rather that they kept it with the referee's original call, whatever it was. Yeah, I've really got a problem with the decision on that one from Jared Gillette. I think he got it right. Yeah. I can live with it. All right, so we're going to move on to the second half now and get right into the, well, I would say the fun part, which was the Brisbane Roar <laughs> equaliser. It was the just... standard fair at Suncorp in the finals. Yeah, just an absolutely lightning quick counter-attack from the Raw. And I think it was a big turnover from somebody. I'm drawing a blank on who it was right now. But they just fed it straight out. It was Broich... Setting Borello yeah. in the clear. Wait, I was actually waiting for him to shoot a little or feed the ball to McLaren a little bit earlier, but he decided to feed yeah. it off the post in the end. Yeah, Definitely a deliberate pass. It's it's a good goal, but it's also a horrible goalkeeping from Yanjevic. Ball watching. I mean, I think he could have very easily dealt with that another way, but I was thankfully for the Raw he did. But it's a good finish from McLaren. It it might have been a lucky finish, but it did feel like one of those ones that was it was coming no matter what. It, it might not have been in that. Instance, but it was going. It was, it was building. Like the Raw came out in the second half, a, a, a very a different side. Now they they, they saw now they were down. I think they were stung by that by that, that penalty. You know, they, they said it was literally you know almost the last kick of the, of the half, and you now they, they came out with a, you know a attacking mentality, and it, it paid dividends. And it was, luckily, it was you know, ten minutes after the whistle. And take the finish out of it. It's the Broich to Barello through ball when you get behind the, the midfield running at the defence. I think that's. That's the encouraging thing for the Raw. They're able to get in behind the midfield and run at the back four of the Wanderers. And I think that's what they're going to have to do just a quick this note. weekend as well. Just a quick note, Tommy Orr. That's what you're expected to do for 27 rounds plus finals next year. What the score penalties? No, feed the open. Feed oh, the, right. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a, yeah, it was a well-designed counterattack. But as we mentioned before, yeah. there was just an absolute head-scratching moment, which I think will put an end to... Any of the conspiracy theories that Jared Gillette is an out-and-out Brisbane fan were called the stupid back pass. Also, the penalty thing, the penalty was... You could say the penalty was a bit soft. If you want to say he's a pro-Brisbane referee, he's given two decisions, not against the Raw, but controversially. Anyway, I think he got the penalty decision right in this other... I think he was relying on his assistant, wasn't he? He was looking at his assistant for about five, six seconds there, and they finally decided to give it. Ridiculous. Yeah. I can't work out how to back pass. No, neither can I, and neither could anyone in the stadium, because you could actually hear it clip the Wanderers player yeah. deflecting it all the way back to Theo. The reaction from the Wanderers players as well was it's deflected off their, <laughs> their player. It's good defensive pressure, they're thinking. All they, of a sudden, they got a free kick for a back pass out of nothing. Yeah. All right, they'll take it. And 
but eventually, you know, neither side could find the breakthrough and we wound up going to extra time. So what we're going to do now, we're going to take this into a second segment and discuss extra time and penalties after this. This is the Brisbane Football Review. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Part of the Outside 90 Fan Network and still on Switch 1197, I believe. James Scott and Adam with you tonight. We're in the middle of reliving Friday night's fantastic penalty shootout win over the Western Sydney Wanderers. Let's get into the extra time. And I suppose a big story to come out of this was the injury to Michael Theo. Yes, I mean, it was a good save from him as well because it was one of those, like, it could have been another backbuster just who picked it up. That's why he kicked the ball away and just. Was it ankle or a knee or something? You got injured with like it a It turned out to be knee, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it looked yeah. like a foot ankle thing at first. Yeah, no, look, it was um no, it was really brave, you know, to almost you know, foolish to a point. But you know, you gotta you look you gotta commend his uh, his bravery on that. You know, he it was an obvious chance there and um and yeah, like I said, he paid the ultimate price for it, unfortunately. And just on Jamie Young when he came on, he made that brilliant yeah. save sixty seconds after he came on. I know we've all been somewhat critical of him this season, especially me. Yeah, yeah. but no, that's that was, that was that, absolutely brilliant. That was a fine save. Yeah, it was a baptism of fire. And look for any concerns about Jamie Young's confidence. That's one way to get it up. Yeah. And look in in it's all, also, it's not his shot stopping we've ever been worried about. Yeah, exactly. The other part of his game. Yeah, well, I was talking to my brother during the game. He was texting me, making sure that I was still mentally in one piece. And, um, yeah, like when Jamie Young came on, he texted me, baptism of fire much. And I was thinking, well, I'm feeling a lot less confident. (laughs) (laughs) And and I actually said, you know, Young could save all five penalties in a shootout or catch the ball and run it into his own net. (laughs) But after that double save, I was feeling a lot more confident. Yeah. Oh, look, I did also as well. Now, I guess the, the confidence that comes from the fans is that, you know, of of all the, um, the keepers, you know, the backup keepers, you know, to have Jamie Young come on and replace, yeah. like, I think, you know, we'll, I think there's a, bit, a fair bit of confidence that, you know, he was always going to do a decent job. Oh, there was no yeah. doubt of that. I'd feel far more confident if we had to bring on Jamie Young instead of, say, Jared Tyson for the mm. Wanderers or some of the other backup goalkeepers. It is disappointing, though, that he, Theo did have to leave in that manner. Yeah. For a second there, while they were showing all the replays, uh, on the on not the big screens at Suncorp, it's the medium sized screens yeah. at best. While they're doing the renovations, but I was watching that thinking, oh, what's? I didn't know if Antonis was. I think it was Antonis was going for Theo's knee, but I think it was just a case of trying to find somewhere to put his foot, <laughs> and it just happened to fall on Theo's knee. But it's unlucky collisions, isn't it? Mm, and for a while, there actually looked like Antonis had come off second yeah. best. Yeah, because Theo got straight up. Mm. That's the weird thing. And then just went. It might have been a bit of an adrenaline rush. And then went, oh, that's a lot worse than I first thought. But, um, yeah, it was it was fun. Like, seeing Jamie Young come on and actually performing as well as he did, like, that's got to fill you with confidence going yeah. forward as well. And we'll get to the penalties in a minute, but his reaction after the full-time whistle in his interview, you could see the emotion in his, in his voice and his face. Mm. It was really good. Because he's been waiting for a moment like that well, you've to got, be, be yeah. the hero and... Well, you've got to be thinking just in terms... If you're him, you're going, well, he still feels like he should be the Raw's number one yeah, goalkeeper. Yeah, that's, that's, that's shown through an interview as well. Yeah. And, you know, now he's got a chance to prove it. And as we mentioned last week, with Michael Theo off contract... Yeah. He, uh, if Young can steer the ship for potentially two more games as the keeper, well, I think you have to start making the case he might be. Sadly, I think that we may have seen the last of Michael Theo in a Brisbane Raw jersey. I think injury, injury aside, I just think yeah, if he's off contract, you know, and Jamie Young performing, I just think yeah, no, it's a, it's obvious one. And then obviously you got a couple of not good young goalkeepers coming through the ranks, you know, behind him. So I think the goalkeeping situation is almost set. Yeah, it may very well be a sad thing if that is the last we see of Michael Theo. He's been such a great goalkeeper for this club because he did not look happy to be going no. off, but. There are, well, I'd say in the 90 minutes, he usually doesn't look happy. But just one thing that I kind of forgot to mention in the last segment was I loved how Theo was just yapping at the Wanderers players <laughs> all game. And, yeah, like Theo had a, like the one penalty Theo faced too. He got a hand to yeah, it. Yeah, he, he, he really could have saved that very easily. just didn't get enough contact on the ball. Yeah. That was very unfortunate for him. It was. Oh, well. Let's get to the shootout. What do you say? Let's get to the fun stuff. Okay, so... 
your first words when you realised it was go- like when the full time whistle blew and you knew it was going to a shootout. I was pretty calm actually. For yeah. once, I was actually calm at a raw finals game. Normally, I'm shaking with nerves, but I was actually calm this game. It was weird. Ah, uh, look, yeah, it was. Um, I, I took a case. Uh, well, it's, it's going to be a flip of the coin, basically, and who and and judging to see who's actually worked on penalties during the week in training. Turns out they all had. My reaction was, oh, damn it, it's, this is going to lead to a much later night getting fan cams recorded. <laughs> Thank you, by the way, to everyone that participated in fan cams last oh, yes. Friday night and all season. I think we've had some really fun interviews with that and we're certainly looking forward to continuing yeah. that next season. Yes, we absolutely are. And possibly at a home grand final. <laughs> Don't start that. <laughs> I said possibly. <laughs> Touch wood. Yeah, when you start seeing pigs flying at your window there, you might get a home grand final. We'll get to that later. Smithers, <laughs> I think I'll donate a million dollars to charity. <laughs> when pigs fly, will you be donating, donating that million dollars to charity now, sir? Uh, no. I'd just like to point out that that was James with the first Simpsons quote 30 episodes in. I'm surprised it took that long. But That's right. That was last week. Was it? Yeah, oh, yeah, was it was grill. That's right. <laughs> I swear I've I done more as well. I'm sure you have. <laughs> Lots of movie references too. Anyway, on to the shootout. The Raw got to shoot down at the Den End, which, say what you, yeah. say what you want about, you know, sports psychology being a bit hokey, it has an impact. Also, I believe that's the referees making a decision on which penalty Gary you take them. I don't think it's like a flip of the coin and you can choose which end. I've heard I've actually heard both in the last few days where the ref, if it, the referee says they're both even, he flips a coin yeah. to decide which end the captains get to choose. But apparently Dimas Delgado decided to shoot second and which I only found out on Saturday morning was a big mistake. That's a weird uh, thing, yeah, like uh, and it, it, Mark Bosnich was quite a saying that you know you, why it's almost like why would you? It's almost you're, you're behind the eight ball straight away. But even if, if you go first and you miss, you still got a half a chance. But you know, if yeah. you, yeah, like I said, it just puts so much pressure. Yeah. And obviously, it may be a no. case of confidence of, of either Yenovich's ability to save the first or second shot or the ability of his, um, of, of the um, strikers are taking the penalty. Yeah. Going second just puts you under pressure, particularly when it goes to sudden death as it did this time around. You're just under absolute immense pressure. Absolutely. There's no run for it. If you're kicking first, at least if you miss, your goalkeeper has the yeah. chance to, to save it and keep you in it. Mm. Now, the one thing that stood out for me throughout the whole shootout is I would say 10 of the 12 penalties that were taken were phenomenal shots. Thank you for making it 10 because of... Luke DeVere's. Oh, the 9 then, because Christensen's wasn't any good either. I, I still maintain if you can hit the side netting before the back, you're fine. You hit the crossbar first. Though. Right underneath the bar, tell me which goalkeeper would stop that. <laughs> Yeah, the, the post might have on another day, anyway. Yeah, uh, but... Fair degree of risk on that one. Yes, yeah. and if my aunt had... Anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, but at least, at least luckily that none of the penalties was as bad as the one last night by uh, Yosuhito Endo in the Champions League. Game. That <laughs> was terrible. But... Uh, I, I don't thought... know. Kusakami's also very oh, good. Well, that must be, that Japanese, must be a Japanese thing. Maybe. But they uh, lost the Asian Cup quarterfinal penalties too, don't forget, back in 2015. You one. might be onto something there, Adam. Yeah. But yeah, we were talking about you know which club has been practising penalties. I think both of them did, because yeah. every guy that went up to take the kick up until the last one with Jumpai, they look like they're going, yeah, I know I'm going to yeah. score. It's fine. And for the Royal, there were a lot of young players taking penalties. Well, the first three, what... Borello, D'Agostino and McLaren. Yeah, they're, what, 23 and under? I know they're the strikers, but they're young players. Yeah. Particularly D'Agostino, what, 18 or something? Yeah, well, we were because we were trying to work out okay who's going to take it. We knew Barello was yeah. going to take one. We knew McLaren and we knew Christensen. I did say to Adam saying next week in the game when um who got sent off? Saturo got sent off. That get take Corey Brown off, bring D'Agostino on, and just purely for penalty. Yeah, <laughs> even though I was absolutely nervous when he was about to take it because he missed one in the youth league. But mm. and McLaren's last one, he's missed two. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Borello made it, Antonis. Well, I thought Antonis with the little Panenka. That was, that was <laughs> Yeah, but I always like seeing that. Uh, yeah, D'Agostino, I had a really good one. The last one for the Raw, though, Tommy Orr, rifled it into yeah. the bottom corner. That's one that on another day can be, could have been saved. If it's not right in the corner, mm. that's being saved. But the one just before him, Robbie Cornthwaite as well in the top corner, that was another phenomenal strike. Yeah, no, it's uh, like I said. So, yeah, I think nine, nine out of the twelve penalties were, you know, you're not stopping them yeah. pretty much unless it's something, you know, out of this world. Absolutely. And then Jumpai took the last penalty. He went to his right, so did yeah. Jamie Young, and was able to parry what what 
I think he sliced the shot. I think he just completely scuffed his shot. Yeah, I remember, I think I said this in our recap on Friday night. I grabbed Jordan saying in front of me, I just think, I'm sure he's going to miss this. And Hello, Jordan. You just got to mention. Yeah. He'll be listening. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, as Jumpai was walking up to take the penalty, I grabbed my camera bag getting ready to run out yeah. to fan camps. I didn't actually think he was going to miss. It was just a case of, I just grabbed it subconsciously. Where did you watch the penalty? Because you're normally the first was... time walking around to the, the northern end to get outside for fan camps. Well, my friends I was sitting with, Andy Gordon, my fiance yeah. Beck, we were sitting there, and they were sitting there going, you're running out to do fan cams, and I may have said in a, I may have said a word I can't repeat right now, yeah, let me but... Let get the button ready. <laughs> but, no. And, actually, my dad texted me during this second half, got in, or in extra time going, I hope you didn't head out to do your video yeah. interviews. <laughs> what I would have loved to have done, though, however, would have been, if it was one of those raw score in the 92nd minute to tie it up... I would have loved to have gone out and done interviews with people that leave the fo- left in the 80th minute or whatever. <laughs> Trying to get back in. Yeah. <laughs> Just going, or, you know, the game's still going, you interview them and go, you do know it's a Raw, right? They do have this in... <laughs> yeah, but they turn and say, well, you're out here as well. What are you doing out here? Mm. Anyway. Oh, yeah, well, then I, but in my scenario, I would have been allowed to get back in as soon as possible. That's but, true. But what, uh, as I was trying to say, what stood out for me about Jumpai penalty was, I think he was going to shoot to his right, saw Jamie Young move that way and then thought, yeah oh, bugger, I'm going to have to change it. And because he was absolutely stuffed, rightfully so, yeah. after running for 120 minutes, that It's the didn't... first indecisive penalty, was it? All the others, even, the when, even, when the goal, even when the goalkeepers guessed the right way, even with, with Tommy Orr's that was mentioned, he still had the confidence to, to go where he was going to take the penalty. Yeah, Zumpai seemed to change his mind, and when you do that... And as you see him now, penalty shootouts, wherever it is in the world, it's the indecisive ones you know... Uh, it's either you know they get lucky and they pull out, or they just get saved or they put over. So that, and that and Jumpai is the first one you could actually say, you know what he, he, he's not confident. And stopping midway in the run up like a certain Real Madrid forward does is also counts as indecisive. <laughs> <laughs> so, don't you like him though? After this, uh... after he missed in the Champions League final 2008, I've never trusted him with penalties. <laughs> but it all went right for the Roy. I think we can all yeah. celebrate that. Um, Sunday night, the other semi-final. Just a quick word on Melbourne City going down to Perth 2-0. That was an absolute horror show for Melbourne City. I mean, this was a game that was all set for them to... And Valkanis, again, has shown that he's not a A-League coach for mine. I don't understand why you'd leave Luke Bratton out of it. It was. Semi-final. It's just weird. It was an inept effort, you know, with all, with all due respect to those City fans. Like, but, you know, you guys have every right to be, you know, pretty yeah. horrified at your club because that was a poor effort from a final. It's like it's almost like there was time that you think, you know what, they accept their fate in about the 35th minute. They're a collection of players and not a team. Yeah. And, mm. that's, and that's, for a team on paper that's so good, it's, it feels very disappointing. But you know what? On the other hand, well done, Perth. You know, Diego Castro yeah. was magnificent. I think we do have to second growth as to Perth. They were really good mm. on the counter-attack. And actually, I think I saw Castro tracking back for the second time ever. <laughs> <laughs> if only some of the yeah. Melbourne City players tracked back, they might have had a chance. They tracked back, but they were just walking. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, if I were what some of the Melbourne City executives, I'd be looking for a return receipt on players like Caceres and Bratton. Cause well, they're, they're, they'll be out of here. They're on loan from Manchester City anyway, so they're still... On the hook for them anyway. Yeah. But the other the other thing as well, I guess, coming out of that game as well, was that, you know, Sunday Sunday night, you know, nine, just to yeah. touch on 10,000 by crowd, you know, was that? all around, yeah. wasn't it? But there were encouraging TV figures, mm. which we are going to touch on in segment three. I mentioned the raw crowd was 17,000, a little bit below what you would have been expecting. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're going to be back with segment three right after this. This is the Brisbane Football Review. And we're back to the present day for... The third time now, and I'm not going to dawdle too much. The third and final clip that we've got from May 2017 is talking about the Raw's end-of-season awards night, where Broich was actually the inaugural inductee into the Brisbane Raw Hall of Fame, which, according to the Raw social accounts anyway, was exactly three years ago today. So, another little anniversary. Okay, off to that third segment now, where we talk about the Raw inducting Thomas Broich into the Hall of Fame, and some of the other players that may eventually, or have since joined him in that Hall of Fame. All right, and the Raw launched a brand new Hall of Fame. This was the big bombshell of the night. Mm. Thomas Broich, the first inductee. Do you think it's a good idea? Absolutely. Adam? In theory, yes. I think it's, it's great. I've, I've actually, you know, there's around traps I've been saying for years, there should be a Hall of Fame. Now, the only issue with it is that 
I'm hoping that in a way it's a symbolism that, you know, that's almost settled that, you know, Thomas Broge, it will not play for another A-League club because it, could, it would be a world first almost if Thomas Broge, Brisbane Raw Hall of Famer, lines up against Brisbane Raw next season. That would be an embarrassment. I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm hoping that this is, that this is a... Um, there's a sign that you know what he's made his decision. He hasn't made it public, but it won't be in Australia. And you know, and but as far as you know, his legacy, his legend, all that, it absolutely mm-hmm. deserves to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, that this will be something that comes hallmark and next over sort of over time. That you know, we see some uh, club legends getting rewarded in this way. Yeah, it's something that I think we've. I know I've wanted to see for a long time as a Hall of Fame. And I, I hear your point, Adam, about maybe if he played against him or next it'd look weird. But I think to get this recognition for him, well, Tio is. It's better than having it given to him five years from now if he's back in Germany or wherever else he is. So I think it's good to get it done now. The other question while James is looking on his iPad there, Furious, I'll ask, who else do you think could be in the future? Matt I think there's a couple of others that are close as well. Well, as Matt 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 one one, one as well. maybe um, I've always been a big fan, obviously, Massimo Madoka, um, Enrique especially, Enrique, Michael yeah. Theo when he's done. Um, obviously, if it's not just players, Andy Postecoglou, yeah. obviously. So there is, like I said, there are a number of uh, people yeah. that go, and also, and also, that's just the men, and also yeah. the women. You know, like the Claire Polkinghorne, yeah. Katrina Gorry. Yeah. You know, so look, to make a bus, no one. You just hit on the three that I was going to say, yeah. which was Enrique, Andy Postecoglou, and Claire Polkinghorne, because Claire Polkinghorne and Matt McKay as well. Matt McKay. They're the two captains of the club for such a long time. For me, they would be logical inclusions, and I think if we can honor honor our champions this way, it'd be great. And then, if it's possible, honour them at the training ground or whatever as well. It'd be good. I think it. I think it's a good idea. The only question would be, do you want to go the way of what other sports do and have a mandatory waiting period of two years? The only problem. The only problem with that would be you get guys like Broich who say, "I'm I'm out of here and I probably won't yeah. be back." So you're thinking of the um, American model where you got to wait five years to get into a Hall of Fame. See, but in this cut, mm. see, if for a Matt McKay that would work for a Thomas Broich. Yeah. Or, Argue if you're going to put Bessa, Bruchot, and Enrique in, or someone like that later on, they might not be either willing or able to come back in five years for that moment. And it's better to have them here for it, I think. I wouldn't put I wouldn't put Bessa, Bruchot. No, in, I was just saying it was an example. Ooh, I know, but I geez, oh, that's yeah. No, that might be debate for another day. There's but, yeah. a few that you can kind of debate fifty-fifty, but yeah, yeah I would I wouldn't just purely because he was only around for three yeah. years, and oh. I feel like if you're going to do, and by the time. You get to him where, okay, say the five that we just came up go in in each of the next five years. By the yeah. way, if Matt Mackay's, I think he signed a one-year contract extension, yep. so I think if he moves on at the end of next year, he will get that It'll similar honour. The, the second one. I think he's going to be the second one in anyway, whether it's next year, the year after, or three years from now. Whatever uh, it is, he'll be the next one in. And the closest thing I could actually find, you mentioned the American model, was Bill Parcells, the coach, where he was actually up for Hall of Fame induction after his time with New York and New England, and uh, put his eligibility back by signing with Dallas. So... There you go. Well, that was worthwhile, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. I was trying. I was trying desperately to find. Had he been no. inducted? Yeah, I know. He still hasn't been uh, put in the New England Patriots Hall of Fame because he had already decided to leave the de- the week before the Super Bowl. Gee, where has that happened? Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, so you're saying oh, yeah, Ants didn't leave till three days after the grand final. Actually, no, it was two days after the grand final. Yes, but, but what that, are you talking about? Yeah, completely I'm, different. Yeah, after. Well, when was the parade? Tuesday. Probably was Tuesday. Oh, it was Tuesday. Oh, yeah. yeah they had a mad so. Monday like we are oh, on Monday, yeah. and then they had a <laughs> Friday, Tuesday. All right. So, yeah, they Facebook live live streamed an interview with Broich yeah. at the dinner, which I thought was a cool little touch. I mean, look, we know Broich is quite a private person and didn't really look all that comfortable up there, but he gave a few good laughs. So, mind you, he didn't look comfortable in front of us. So. <laughs> take from it is he was he could have signed for Melbourne Heart or Adelaide and thank goodness he didn't before he came to Brisbane yeah, that before is before he signed for Brisbane he was talking to Adelaide and Melbourne Heart oh. him. so thankfully he didn't sign for them and thank, we got thank to, you Andrew another reason why <laughs> yeah, I'm all we got to see the best player in the history of the Australian Domestic League and I think we're all very grateful for that absolutely and yeah I think it's it's an interesting little concept it's been 11 seasons for the Raw now so yeah, I think Sydney have got one as well by the way yeah they kind of honour them on match day at Outside the front of the ground, so it'd be interesting to see what the how the raw can kind of match that in some way. So it'd be interesting. Two things I did take away from that Broich interview, though, is he did sound like he said, like he's still not sure if he's even going to play. We haven't heard anything about how his specialist appointment went about his ankle. 
that could be Will either, by the way. Well, I think you're going to hear about it eventually because it might get to next October and go, hey, Broach hasn't signed <laughs> yeah. with anybody. And I think I think there will be some sort of announcement sooner rather yeah. than later. And the other thing is, he kept talking up Joe Coletti. I think he mentioned about three times where he's like, I think he he sees something special in him. So hopefully Coletti's the next person to re-sign. I do think we all see that. We'll get to potential re-signs later. But I think we all saw something special in Joe Coletti when he came in this season. The way he was able to just like grab that mantle in the middle of the park. Yeah. That's a tough position to walk straight into. Against the caliber opposition, I get one of the games catching where we're in the Club World Cup final. Yeah. So that's a that's about as high level as you opposition you can And we're find. also talking about a seventeen year old who's a very small stature yep. as well. So all those is just absolutely amazing. I think he is one for the future. And then the Raw decided to send Thomas Broach out with a chant from Yeah, the fans Adam in attendance. Oh, <sighs> oh dear, oh dear. Alright. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Drink up. Uh, seriously. <clears throat> it's just, I guess he, I guess it's lucky I'm doing a full work with my voice, but seriously, if that is probably one of the most embarrassing things I have ever seen or heard of, the Gala Awards is not an occasion to do something like that. It's just, uh, look, you know, to be honest, I hope they saw that in the light day and thought, oh, that wasn't a good idea because I can tell you there are a lot of people that are thinking that if they had the guts that you say it, it's not that. I'm sorry, that that's not a winner for me. It, that was it was embarrassing for that, and you know I'm surprised that a lot of the on social media haven't got, got more of a flame than it did because it's really not. I didn't think it was appropriate to be honest. Yeah, it, I, I do agree. It didn't look appropriate to me. The black tie. I don't wonder whose idea it was. Mm. But we'll it's a it was a black tie dinner, two hundred fifty bucks for God's sake. To treat it like that, it's just yeah. I just didn't think it was appropriate. No. You know what? Send send your emails, send your tweets, whatever. I don't care because that's my opinion. That's the end on that. We'll forward them all to Adam. I love the idea in theory, but yeah, it, it did also look a little awkward. Like, yeah, awkward's it, the right word. Just it just didn't look right, did it? It might it might have worked a little. It might have needed a little bit more coordination. I think it just yeah, the execution let it down. All right, so we're going to quickly touch on a couple of other news stories. So. Go. I, I was waiting for you to swear there. <laughs> no, I'm professional. I'm not going to swear. Geez, we nearly made it through the whole season without swearing. <laughs> yes, it's a miracle we actually made it through that first season without swearing. But anyway, thanks everyone for joining me for this trip down memory lane as we look back on the end of the playing career for the greatest player the A-League has ever seen. And who knows, we might even get him back one day as a coach. You never know. Can't rule anything out. Um, yeah, so... In the meantime, stay tuned on our social accounts for the Pulse of the Fan Forum questions that we're going to be posting over the next week or so. And in the meantime, stay patient. It's slowly getting better out there. And hopefully before we know it, football will be back as well. So thanks everyone for listening. Stay tuned and we'll talk to you later.